Okie dokie. If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghost, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Hi, Susan. Hi. <laughs> we do. We have a guest with us today, an observer. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, what is it? We're being evaluated. <laughs> <laughs> be more funny. Class, class, that's right. <laughs> there will be a test. <laughs> so if we just randomly sound like we're talking to someone, I don't know whether you'll be able to hear her very well or not, but we'll try and repeat if she's if she asks a question about what we're talking about so you can hear her. But if you hear like a raucous laugh in the background, it's not a ghost. That's it's right. Susan. It's not my ghost husband. <laughs> Which that kind of was a private joke. Um. <laughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. Okay. Do you have mm. any postmortem from the last? I show? should have thought more about that. I really should too, because I did. I did actually post on Facetime a follow up because there's like a medium in Mississippi. You mean who, Facebook? Thank you. What did I say? <laughs> Facetime. I was like, oh, oh. you Facetime now? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Facebook uh, about a medium in Mississippi who like. Um, went in to the Bell Witch and like contacted her or something and kind of changed the story. Um, and I think the story that she was given had more to do with like uh, domestic abuse, violent abuse. Can you not hear? No, I can't hear through the headphones. Oh, is that weird? Is it a problem? No, it's not okay, a problem good. as long as it's not a problem for you. Cool. Okay. Sorry, interrupted. No, you're cool. So, um, again, if I would have, like, gone through and taken notes, I could tell you about that. But join us on Facebook <laughs> at The Strange South Podcast and read it for yourself. And on Instagram at The Strange South Podcast. Exactly. And you can listen to us on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you're listening to us right now. Yeah. We're pretty much everywhere right now. We're everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no postmortems, really, from me. I honestly don't even remember what we talked about last Friday. So, so much has happened since then. Like, the government opened and hell froze over. <laughs> Six, sorry to all <laughs> our friends related in the North. or not. I'm not really It's going to sure. be 65 degrees here in Alabama today, is what I heard. <laughs> so, like, I apologize to all my family in Chicago, who probably aren't listening to this anyways, but to my friends in Virginia that are, I'm right? so sorry. Right, yes. Uh, the vortex. Okay. So, what are we drinking today? We are drinking whiskey sours today, which I've never had before, and this could be a problem for me. <laughs> yes, they are pretty drinkable mm-hmm. and delicious, and if you make them what I call the redneck way, <laughs> it is country time lemonade and the whiskey of your choice. And there you go, and some ice. Very and easy. And today it is Maker's Mark. And today it is Maker's Mark. Spreading the love around. Absolutely. And uh, it's really good. It's really good. Yes, I got the extra large because I knew <laughs> I would probably be finishing up and having more. Because I, I get like, I usually drink because we do the little glasses. I'll drink the whole thing mm-hmm. before and then I'm like, I've got to stop talking so I can drink more. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it was really good. That was a problem when we had the um, Purple Haze. Oh, my God, Which is, like, one of my favorite drinks We're going to need to go back to that again. Yes, Susan, you need to. Susan's eyes are very wide. She's like, ooh. Purple Haze is, like, a really, really good drink. It's my favorite. It's basically champagne, vodka, and a blueberry Blueberry syrup. syrup. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It is delicious. And you know, you would think like vodka and champagne wouldn't mix, but they work so well together. Champagne goes with anything. It this really does. I've started thinking like, you know, we could always just take any Southern cocktail that we can think of and throw champagne in it. And it'd probably still work. I was like, champagne mojitos. That would work. Champagne, like mint juleps. Oh, that yes. would work. Which we're going to have to do the mint julep thing when it gets a little bit warmer. Like yes. next week. <laughs> yeah, that probably, I think it's supposed to hit 70 next week one day. It's insane. Maybe we should do Kentucky stories and mm. mint juleps one day. We've already decided we're going to do New Orleans stories and hurricanes one day. So. Right. Um, we should do that like maybe next time. When When is Mardi Gras? So We decided of- it's the fourth of march it's like forever away it's like a month away it's really late yeah Yeah. okay and then when is the kentucky derby let's see those are usually in may aren't they okay so i was thinking like that's when we could do we could wear the hats (gasps) yeah do the mint juleps and stuff sold because i have the mask for mardi gras and the beads we're gonna have to post pictures of um, absolutely hold on i'm gonna take a picture right now of what this (laughs) looks like from my seat it's Patrice peeking over a blanket that we use to make our sound sound better. (laughs) Smile, Susan. (laughs) Susan's like, don't you? I'm gonna take a picture. I won't post it if you don't want me to. I'm gonna take a picture of Luna because she's smiling too. All right. All right. Are we ready? I am ready. You're going first. I know your drink is done, so you're gonna be (sighs) chatty. All right. You're going first today. Yes. Just bear with me, because I did go down the rabbit hole, and I grabbed so many snatches of text from different places that it's probably going to be all non-linear and coherent, <laughs> and I just I apologize in advance. But then again, that's how we roll, right? <laughs> that's at least how I roll. That's how we roll. That's right. So last week, a fr- our friend Ashley posted something about Haint Blue, <gasps> and I... Being from the Deep South, have never heard of Haint Blue. So I'm like, what is this? So I started looking it up. So Haint Blue, for y'all that do not know, is a pale shade of blue that is traditionally used to paint porch ceilings in the southern United States. Mm -hmm. The tradition originated from the Gola in Georgia and South Carolina, but has been adopted by white Southerners. So there's a tradition of painting your porches ceilings blue. And it's a special blue. Let's like it's a version of light blue. It's a version like... of light blue. Mm-hmm. So what's the significance of blue? Glad you asked, because <gasps> I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so it is thought that spirits, evil spirits, or spirits of any kind, I guess, cannot cross water. Oh, yeah. So the blue is painted in order for, uh, as an illusion of water, so that the evil spirits don't come into the house. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that is really interesting. I've actually never noticed a blue ceiling. I think mm-hmm. I would notice that. And, um, and then somebody says that 
they paint it blue in order to like trick wasp not to like you know what i had heard that too though that mosquitoes and wasps actually fly up right but it's there they don't like they don't nest there right because they think it's the sky so i've kind of heard that as well so it has practical applications as well which i guess exciting yeah so i'm like this is really and then i was like gola it's like what is that so thus begins the wormhole again as a southerner (laughs) i'm kind of ashamed that i didn't know anything about this so the gola are the Geechee people um, is like a culture that lives in uh, Gullah and Geechee refers to a people mm-hmm. and their culture, but it also refers to a language that they speak. Mm-hmm. And they um, they are around Georgia and South Carolina in the coastal and the islands. Um, there so they are actually they were west african slaves that were captured and brought over to the low country of the carolinas and the sea islands there um and the reason they were brought over besides like obviously the free labor kind of stuff um enslaved labor was because they were expert rice growers really so they they specifically sought off this tribe or this group of um Africans to bring over uh, in order to raise uh, rice crops on the sea islands and on the low coastal uh, Carolinas. No, so I had no idea. So I know, but it's like, I was like, okay, they were like rice experts. That's like really cool. But do they grow? Is there rice? In yeah, there? There obviously is. there's like huge, they were, there were huge rice plantations over there. Okay, so they brought them over. Um, Geechee, uh, they think, was derived because of the Ogeechee River. That's in one of the Carolinas, I think. So they bring these people over who had like a strong, rich tradition and culture over in Africa. And um, because of them being on like the sea islands they were pretty much isolated and were be, were able to maintain this rich culture like it didn't get diluted or anything and it actually they picked up um the Gullah people and the Gullah religion uh were very open to new things so you can find christianity um in some of their religious practices as well because they were very inclusive of all cultures Hmm. and but because they were pretty much isolated um in their groups they maintained it so it's like a really strong Gullah tradition that can be found there Hmm. now and this is again where the haint blue comes from they carried it over um from Africa, West Africa. They also have a strong tradition in making uh, sweet grass baskets, quilting, knitting, fishing nets. They brought over Hoppin' John, sweet potato pie, and Benny wafers, which I think is a rice wafer. I'm I'm not really sure. I have to look it up. I should have wrote it down. It's a rice wafer with like some seeds or something on it, but it's supposed to bring good luck. Hmm. All right other things their culture this is totally new to me i was like holy shit i'm like this is so exciting it's too bad we shat on it like you know (laughs) 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 right go america that's right i know (laughs) i know right um so anyway some of the folklore that they brought over was 
something called Burr Rabbit, Burr Fox, Burr Bear, and oh, Burr Snake. Burr Rabbit. Yeah. So this is uh, Gola folklore. Uh and these stories involved um, animals that were like com- competitions between themselves. And of course, the um, the Br'er Rabbit mm-hmm. is uh, like the trickster, mm-hmm. which goes along with Anansi the spider, yeah. trickster god kind of thing. So there's some similarities there. Think, uh, picturing like, I'm trying to picture the pre-Disney Song of the South version. Right. Like the... So, of course, <laughs> you know, uh, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and all of them were appropriated by Joel Chandler Harris, um, who popularized these Gullah stories in his book, Uncle Remus. Mm-hmm. And he... He started out, like, right before the Civil War, he was an apprentice to a plantation, which is where I'm sure he heard all of these stories. And then he came, and he lived in Georgia, uh, and uh, wrote the book, Uncle Remus. Okay. There's also a Gullah Gullah Island, which was a Nick Jr. show back in the 90s. That's what I was like, why does that sound like, like it's like Walla Walla Washington. Right, Gullah Gullah, Gullah Island. And it was an American musical children's television series that was produced and aired on Nickelodeon um, for about four years. And it starred actually a couple, Ron and Natalie Dice, Deus, and they served as like cultural advisors and in, they were inspired. Well, actually, they were. He's Gullah, so he used his culture, and that's what they taught on the show. The Gullah culture oh, on the wow. show. I was totally expecting this to be like a very like white centric like. No, it is. Like, it was a ground program. in the nineties. It was really a groundbreaking children's that's show awesome. because it emerged them in the Gullah culture and the folklore and the stories. I'm and, so cynical. I need to look this up though. That sounds. That yeah. Sounds so this is cool. my rabbit hole that I went down. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'm like, this is fascinating. Who knew, right? Okay, so the Gullah people uh, were very spiritual. They were very inclusive. They adopted Christianity beliefs into their own beliefs, and mainly Catholicism, I think, um, more so than Protestant. Catholicism is easier, I think. Like, it has more, it has, like, more in common with other, like, with pagan cultures. Yeah, Yeah, it's more ritual-based. And the idea of multiple deities. Like, it jibes a lot better with Catholicism than Protestantism. With the saints and the demons and and all the things, which we will get into that in a later episode, because I have stories on that. All right. So, um, other things that the um, that you may know of that's Gola related that you didn't know is the song Kumbaya. Wow! So, um, Southern American folk song uh, is actually come by here, but when it was recorded by academics, it was misheard and retitled Kumbaya. Oh! So it's not really Kumbaya; it's come by here, and that is like an old folklore Gola song, spiritual mm-hmm. song. Um, other things that the Gullah people do is they sometimes paper the walls of their house with newsprint or put a folded bit of newspaper inside a shoe. And that is believing that the spirit must first read each and every word before taking action. 
So does, you, is it just to slow them down? I like, guess just to slow them or down. Bore them, it, to bore them so <laughs> much that they don't death. continue to bother you. Exactly. So that's if, what I've got. Like Dr. Seuss. Like I thought of you when I read walls. that. I was like, they're highly entertained spirits. <laughs> Good. They're, hopefully, they'll be friendly and playful. I'm, I'm like, I'm angling for the poltergeists right there. Right. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yes. So I was like, well, that's interesting. Other things that they did. Um, it's like I have seen people that have like dimes, like as anklets, like they'll put a dime as an anklet around their foot, hmm. bracelet style. And that is to give um, good fortune, like to help with your finances. And I was thinking, I need to freaking right. like start a whole like $20 worth of dimes around my ankles. You know, I have a really huge change bucket. We can get on that. Like That's right. We'll just start making little anklets, like good fortune, Gullah. But all of this is because the Gullah people believe in hags and haunts, um, which are similar to African beliefs of, uh, malevolent ancestors witches and devils or forest spirits Mm -hmm. so they're very much into the spiritual world and before i even knew all of this before i even knew about the gullah people i when i was picking out either to do uh the bell witch i was going to either do the bell witch or i was going to do witch doctors so my first like search was for witch doctors and that's what brought me to Gullah and it's because Gullah people have root doctors and root doctors protect their clients against dangerous spiritual forces by using ritual objects similar to those employed by the African traditional healers they also use herbal medicine which is similar to the traditional African so they just brought their medicine and their spiritual beliefs and their spiritual root doctors over so let's talk about the root doctor and i found this on the north carolina encyclopedia thing so root doctors are traditional healers and conjurers in the rural black south they use herbs roots potions spells to help and sometimes to hurt recipients of their menstruations ministration sorry not menstruation (laughs) (laughs) i I bet they had a cure for that too right (laughs) they were just female doctors (laughs) so um root doctors precursor to the obgyn right well it's true (laughs) it is true and we will talk about that okay is it true really (gasps) this is true hold on right uh, so blah blah blah. Root doctors are com- are still common in the region and may be found in rural areas of the Carolinas and Georgia. Although root doctors and witch doctors um, coincide with voodoo, and mm-hmm. there was something that I read that Baltimore is now the v- big voodoo central of the Americas. Huh. Okay, back to root doctors. The practice of working root is familiar to many African-Americans in the South, although not as commonly known among the whites. Voodoo is more commonly known version of conjuring tradition, which is associated more with New Orleans. Um, Voodoo, hoodoo doctors, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the idea of practices came to define the root doctors undoubtedly because of their origins and folk beliefs of West Africa. The region that we enslaved everybody from brought them over uh, pre-Civil War. 
And da, da, da. so this was uh, 17th and 18th century. Root doctors traditionally treated natural ailments with various remedies, uh, such as made from plants like mint, um, jimson weed, sassafras, and milkweed. And some of these, like they generally, they really have um, medicinal properties. Mm -hmm. So one of uh, another, I couldn't find the article, and I was looking for it right before we started this. But they were talking about how, you know, even though there's a lot of like superstition that's involved with root doctors. Uh, and so many people believe in like hoodoo and root and voodoo and stuff mm-hmm. in, in these communities. But if you think about it, when they were brought over, you know, they didn't, if they got sick, they didn't have their owners were not going to take them to the local doctor. Mm-hmm. So they had formed this community, this medical community of a person who not only sits there and listens to your ailments mm-hmm. and your problems, that was very much kind of their community healthcare system of the day. And it created like, you know, I think a lot of the tradition and because it, it maintained and was passed down is because of how effective it was because mm-hmm. they were treating like the mind as well as the body mm-hmm. in a oh, lot yeah. of um, instances. So, well, and I mean, we can't be skeptical of that when we're living in like the, the like diffuser capital of, <laughs> you know, I mean, like everything essential oils is based on herbal remedies. Right. Like, and it's like, I, you know, it's like 30, 40 year old white women who are like going nuts over essential oils. It's the same thing oh, as we're no, doctor, right? abso- absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and it's still very Ooh. much you know it's not talked about as much mm-hmm. uh, over in the Carolinas and Georgia, but it's still very much relevant. And I got on again, like I said, rabbit hole. Uh, I got on a forum of police or um, officials, and they were talking about how when their like officers come across a root bag which is basically a bag of things that a root doctor has put together for either good or bad, mm-hmm. um, white magic or black magic, that they will not touch it. So it's like, it's still very, they have classes on how to handle people who are, you know, dealing with root doctors and root problems and stuff oh, wow. like that. So it's very much, you know, it's still talked about and still, you know, law enforcement has like a big, um, they're much, very much, whether they believe it or not, are very much involved in this belief mm-hmm. in these areas. Okay, so root doctors may be asked to put a root on somebody, which the process is often involves concocting uh, gopher dust, which is basically dirt from a graveyard and maybe like a dead cat or the bones of a black dog or something like that. Ew. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes a powdered snake or lizard. (laughs) The only way snakes are acceptable. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, they'll put together these little packets that you're either supposed to wear or put under your pillow or put under your bed. Um, And it's like a prescription. And so they prescribe this mojo. So they're also the root bags, also known as mojo, um, to ward off spells. (laughs) Mojo. Okay. Oh, and then here's the thing. So the, uh, there's one mojo described in several sources as a dime worn around the ankle. Um, so that was, you know, to help your finances. God knows I need that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so 
they're concocting, they're seeing people, they're helping them or, you know, for good or if they have like an enemy, they're helping to put like a hex on their enemy and stuff like that. Uh, one of the most famous root doctors or the granddaddy of root doctors is uh, Dr. Buzzard. Okay. So my tale, and it's not really a tale, but my main uh, story involves the high sheriff versus Dr. Buzzard. Cool. So in the mid 20th century, so this is 1950s, 1960s, the low uh, country was a hotbed of hoodoo. Each area had its own root doctor. So they had Dr. Snake, Dr. Bug, Dr. Crow, <laughs> P.H. Washington. Why, and, why you got to be so different? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Dr. Eagle. I know. <laughs> Do you know, there's a, so they might be giant song called Dr. Worm. Have you ever heard it? <laughs> they no. call me Dr. Worm. No. <laughs> it's like you totally need to look that up. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I'm glad because I got to like drink there. (laughs) Okay. And then Dr. Eagle. And they all held court openly in downtown um, Beaufort. So Beaufort. South Carolina. South Carolina. (gasps) Oh, I've been there. So you can either say Beaufort, which I think is what South Carolinas say, or the North Carolinas pronounces it Beaufort. Mm -hmm. So two different ways of saying it, depending on where you're from. Or who Which your people right. are. Uh, well, technically, Beaufort's right, because mm. it's spelled Beau. I would say that. But, you know, Beaufort is what it is. It's like chimney, and then there's chimney. <laughs> it just depends on where you there's grew up and who your people were. And there's pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyone could go to Dr. Eagle's office and get a potion. Oh, we had an office. Yeah, they okay. they were like working. They were like businesses. They were working out of an office downtown, open office uh, during the fifties and the sixties. And they said cars would line up as far away as Alabama, Alabama tags and stuff. Would I was line like, up. wow, that's a long ass <laughs> line. It's a long ass line, right? <laughs> all right. It says not all root doctors were male. Many early ones were also midwives. And Dr. Eagle's common-law wife is Valerie Bowles. Does that name sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Who is best known as the mysterious voodoo priestess Minerva in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh. Which was actually a nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was nonfiction. Oh, my God. So that was written by John oh, uh, Berendick. Ber- I don't fucking know how to say his name. Berendick? Berendick. Is that what you said? <laughs> I think that means. I think that means something different. <laughs> uh, just call me uh, <laughs> Mrs. Malaprop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, da, 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 okay. I'm sorry. There, no, that's fine. I just, you know. <laughs> It's gotten to the giggles portion. I'm almost done with this. Whiskey Sour is a new favorite. New favorite. Okay. In North Carolina, there was a husband and wife team that were both root doctors. He had trained her, but she became more successful than him. And so he killed her. What the fuck? I'm liking that story. There is that. There is that story. Like, 
came across. But Dr. Buzzard was the granddaddy of them all. And I actually think he was like on the late show uh, during the 60s or 70s or something. Maybe, um, I don't know, I saw a YouTube thing and I recognized the person that was interviewing him. But now I can't remember what his name was. But it was a, you know, like he was actually on TV. I'll put a link on the show notes. Yes, because um, I want to see that too. Right. So he was on TV and he was very famous around the region, obviously, but also in, you know, around the nation. So he reigned in St. Uh, is it Helena Island or Helena Island? Good question. I actually don't know. I would say Helena. But. Helena Island. So he was one of the sea islands uh, where he was from, and he was revered nationwide. And he had a particular knack back in the 50s and 60s for chewing the root. So this is chomping on an unidentified substance in front of intended victims. What? So he practiced black and white magic. Um he often performed the ritual in court and witnesses who had been previously prepared to testify suddenly refused. So medical, oh my God. medical doctors also began reporting patients with illnesses they couldn't solve. Um, people complained about being hexed. Dan animals and mysterious powders appeared on courthouse steps and Let's see. Into the seething cauldron of root spells and hexes stepped a new sheriff. This is where we talk about high sheriff or high priest sheriff. Oh. So, at the time, there was no law against casting and removing spells, but the practice of medicine at that time uh, without a license was illegal. Where Mm -hmm. it used to, like... Back Civil War times, it wasn't that big a deal. But like, as it's like back then, it's like, well, we don't really know how to do it either. Like right. we're all just shooting in the dark here. Man. Exactly, like, <laughs> exactly. But by the fifties and sixties, like they started going after people who were practicing medicine illegally, mm-hmm. which got uh, Doctor Buzzard and the rest of his co- cohorts like into trouble, especially with the IRS. Oh yeah, because they were cash based system. Oh, shit. The revenue is after you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the high sheriff never carried a gun, but he was a skilled lawman. He would allow stories of his successful collaring of criminals to circulate along with the speculation that he was spiritually gifted. So he actually was became sheriff, like, I think at the age of 22. Hmm. And he had grown up on this island and had been around... uh, root doctors and voodoo priestess like he had an old um woman voodoo priestess that he lived near and they would go to her house because white people like growing up in this culture also depended on the root doctors and the priestess um for certain ailments if it if their doctors couldn't cure it Mm -hmm. um there was something i'm gonna totally get this wrong and again i'll just have to like put the correct version in the show notes but there's something called like uh yelling out the burn or yelling out the fire Hmm. where if somebody got burned really bad they would take them to uh, a priestess or a medicine woman and they would literally like scream and yell at the burn and supposedly it went away really yes i have to find out exactly what that's called but that's the gist of it that's an interesting one yeah it's 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I said, rabbit hole. Yeah. I just kept reading. I was like, no, I need to like focus on this one thing. I'm loving it. It's awesome. So Dr. Buzzard was, uh, okay, hold on. Never carried a gun. This is the high sheriff. Never carried a gun, but he kind of let the rumor that he was spiritually gifted kind of seep throughout the community. He studied root work and he started like buying all these books on voodoo and root work and stuff like that. And the townsfolk eventually turned to him for help. After Dr. Buzzard's son drowned, the rumor began to spread that the sheriff rooted him. So oh. everybody thought that Dr. Buzzard's son drowned because he uh, the sheriff put a hex on him. And so... Um, God, that was probably more valuable than carrying a gun. Right. And, the, and he took full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But then I think he's toward the end, it's, it's kind of like... Did he believe it himself? Because they said that root doctors, unless you fully believe it yourself, you can't really convince others to mm-hmm. believe in it. So that's one of the psychology workings of this. Okay. So let me see. Uh, after his son drowned, uh, he made peace with Dr. Buzzard. and um, But he also made Dr. Buzzard stop practicing medicine without a license. And Dr. Buzzard had to go to court and pay a small fee and agree to limit his practice to only conjuring. So also Dr. Buzzard's lawyer criticized the client's punishment for um, for doing this because it's like, you know, they've been doing this with impunity for generations. It was their healthcare system, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, but I, th- I think one of the main missions that the high priest sheriff had was to, you know, rule out or to make everybody stop using root doctors solely for health or for illnesses and medical practices mm-hmm. instead of going to see a real doctor Yeah. at this time. So let's see. He lost, the, sh- the sheriff ran again. He lost the election. However, he began seeing patients regularly. He was doing conjuring ceremony. He started wearing blue tinted glasses. So the sheriff. The sheriff. <laughs> so blue tinted glasses to like get rid of the spirits mm. uh, and wielded a carved driftwood club called a mandrake, which I don't think that's really what that's called, but mm. maybe that's what they called it. And would use exploding gunpowder for a show, I'm sure. Huh. By the time he died, Dr. Buzzard, um, and he was living on an island, um, and this island didn't have a bridge to it. But, like, right when he died, they built the Lady Island Bridge, and tourists began coming to the island and start snatching up property. So this kind of diluted the culture and the Mm. practice as what has happened nowadays as well, even though it's still kind of an undercurrent in South Carolina and North Carolina and Georgia, but is not as strongly believed in. And I also read somewhere, uh, or maybe not believed in, it's not so much talked about nowadays. Um, I did read where a lot of like the Gullah people who were on the islands moved to like places like New York. So they did get out of their community and moved around, but they are retiring back to, um, you know, their home. So there's a lot of like retired Gullah people that have come back to the Carolinas um, and the islands there. All right. And I think that is it. So that is my Dr. Buzzard and the high priest sheriff. Huh. I think Dr. Buzzard actually died of stomach cancer. 
Aww. Uh, and he's buried on the island, and people will go find his grave, and they will steal grave dirt. Because supposedly it has... Go for dirt. Go for dirt. Yeah. Because supposedly it has magical... And there are there are root doctors. I looked at root doctors, of course. I got root canal doctors. I was like, <laughs> those are black magic doctors. <laughs> I hate dentists. They're horrible people. They are horrible <laughs> people. Horrible profession. Um, but there are still, there are some, there's an undercurrent. And one of the things that somebody said is like, the reason that uh, the, sh- the high priest sheriff died and I don't know why he died, but he's dead now. Mm-hmm. But why he died is because he talked about it too much. So there's a thing that if you know about it, you don't go around flaunting it. Like yeah. if you practice hoodoo or if you practice root, you don't go around talking about it openly. You just do it. And people who are in the know or word of mouth will come to you. Mm-hmm. But if you talk about it too much, then it's like you're putting a hex on yourself. Mm. Although there's a root doctor in Mississippi... And what they started to do is they started to do like mail order stuff. And now with the internet, there's actually root doctors on Facebook. Oh, wow. And you could go, I mean, there's still people practicing root and there's still like a huge population that believes in it. And of course, like the law enforcement, like I said, I went to that forum with law enforcement people and they were talking about yeah, how some of their, you know, officers would not touch things with root mm-hmm. and that a lot of times they will get like dead animals and root bags at the st- uh, steps of their police station that they have to remove because people try to put, you know, hexes and curses on you and everything. Shit. Yeah. Have and you they ordered anything. Did you go on Facebook and order something from the root doctor? <laughs> no, in don't think I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> I, I definitely need myself a dime I'm bracelet. I'm definitely going to like look mm-hmm. up how to do the dime bracelet thing and just see. Also, uh, another thing, the bottle trees oh. come from the Gullah people, and it's in the blue bottles are supposed to capture evil spirits. So, blue bottle trees that you'll see more prevalent in those communities. Uh, as long with the blue trim and the blue painted doors, uh, no shit, all have meaning to them, and you just didn't know. What? You know what? You're gonna be blown away by what I'm talking about today. Oh, you're not gonna believe. You're not gonna believe it when I go into it. Oh, I'm so excited because I have no clue. Even though I printed out your piece, I didn't even look at it. I was just like, la la la. I'm not yeah, this cheat. is perfect. It's oh. perfect. It's like we have the same brain. It's amazing. But Excellent. right now, I super have to pee. Okay, let's take our break. Okay, and then we'll come back. So, okay. are we back? We are back. So, I can't believe that you talked about what you talked about today. Because what I'm talking about has to do with what you talked about. And we didn't talk about this in advance. Well, you know, I asked Chad when we sent our stories to him. I was like, okay, is, is she covering the Gullah people? And he's like, no. I was like, is she covering witch doctors? And he's like, no. It's like, is she covering root doctors? And he's like, no. It's like, did she say anything about paint blue? <laughs> and he's like no i was like okay then we're good (laughs) well you'll see i'm not gonna let it i'm not gonna let it out right away but it's gonna get there when it gets there can't wait so um this is a story that i found 
online, you know, like you do. Like but you last do. week, you know, I got that book and I was like, oh, this is a great way to research something like from somebody that's already done all the work for me. And I just well, read it and paraphrase What do you think what I've been said. doing? I've been like reading people's articles and then, you know, just posting a Seriously. link, right? So it was like when I saw that there was a book associated with this one, I was like, okay, here we go. So, so hold on. There's a book associated with this one that was separate from the book that you checked out about the Drano killer Mm -hmm. or okay yes this is its own this is its whole own thing okay so um we're just gonna get into it so this happens in Rockford Alabama in 2012 so it's not an old story where is Rockford Alabama you know there's a thing I should have looked at it is near Sylacauga south yeah it's um it's like slightly southeast of Sylacauga Mm -hmm. Um, Rockford, Alex City, Nixburg are all kind of right, right there. And Nixburg isn't really a thing anymore, but Rockford, um, Alexander City is probably bigger than Rockford. And then, but it's right in the center of Coosa County. So it's like down toward the South. Okay. Um, so in 2012, Jenny Scott, who was, a, at the time was a freelance journalist and a blogger, you know, she had, a toddler daughter with her Mm -hmm. husband hunter and he got another job they had been living on this may be wrong i think they had been living in auburn like at auburn university um around that area and so they got another job and he started looking for a house kind of up around the rockford area to see if they could find it okay sorry i'm gonna stop you right there Mm -hmm. There's a book about this? There's a book 2012? about it. 2012? And it was written in 20... Man, books happen fast now. You can self-publish anything. Okay. Okay. So And you I found think... this at, at the uh, the JSU library? No. Mm-mm. Okay. I found it online, but you can buy it on the Kindle. So oh, okay. So I'll tell you about that at the end. Why did they want to move to Rockford? I don't know where his job was. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, Rockford seems like an odd place to move for a job. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what his job was. But her job was mobile. So whatever it was that he did, you know, they, it was going to be, I don't think it was like in town. It sounded like it was just a situation where it was going to be closer. And they both had kids from previous marriages who lived primarily with the, the ex spouse. So they were trying to find a place that was going to be more convenient kind of for everybody to get back and forth and, you know, do things like this. And And she wasn't crazy about it in a way because like her son was nine at the time and is autistic Mm -hmm. and he had to stay where he was. He had to stay at his school. And, um, you know, he, he just needed that kind of consistency and they had a really good facility where he was. So she wasn't going to move him, but you know, he was going to be with them every weekend and she, he stayed with his dad. And meanwhile, you know, Hunter's daughter stayed with her mom and would come on the weekends also. So, um, faith, his daughter, and Buddy, her son, would come on the weekends. And they were looking for a house that would accommodate everybody. Because right. they'd been living, where they were living, they had just a, a small apartment, like a two-bedroom apartment. So every, you know, when the kids would all be there, they'd have to sleep on couches. And right. Nobody had their own room. So they, they moved to Rockford, but <clears throat> they were still having to do the kids only on weekends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And partly because of the move to Rockford. Okay. Because it was like they were trying to figure out they had to make more money with this job and they were trying to find a house where they wouldn't spend so much that it wouldn't actually make them money. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, I understand. Um, gotcha. Sorry. So that was, it was totally a tough, side tangent. It sounds like and that's the background stuff like it sounds like it was a very hard decision for her to make. Right. Um so she was already hesitant about mm-hmm. going to Rockford. But he calls her one day and he says, "I have found the perfect house. You're not going to believe it. It's $600 a month and it's massive. It's four bedrooms, you know, like 
we can do this. We can totally do this. And she's like, that sounds impossible. Right. But he, you know, he worked weird hours and um, she had the baby all the time. And so like they weren't able to go look at it together. He had gone to see it. And he said, you can go pick up the keys and go see it, you know, whatever this day. So she goes and she picks up the keys and she takes her daughter, Grayson, who's the toddler, who she has all the time. And she drives to Rockford and um, she pulls into the driveway of this place. And it's this giant house and it's New Orleans style architecture, you know, upstairs, like two story, which is by itself like a complete anomaly in this area, like a two story house, because everything around there is like farmland, rusty barbed wire, mobile home, old single family brick place ranch style house with the paint peeling. And they pull up into this place and the yard is open, you know, no trees in the front yard. It's nicely green. It's not a, it's not a dirt yard, which a lot of yards can be, you know, when you get into the South, it's Mm -hmm. hard to grow grass when there are trees around too. And, um, it's got like the circular driveway and she drives up and so that she's like, I'm at this mansion, like this cannot be right. Right. And, um, you know, it's got a, you know, a big place to park the car. I couldn't get whether it was a garage or a carport, but you know, it's this, it's beautiful. We've got to find this house. This was my fucking like obsession <laughs> yesterday. Finding this fucking house. Road trip. I'll explain that later. Okay. But um, yeah, so uh, she's, um, you know, she pulls in, she parks, grabs the keys, has Grayson on one hip, walks up to the door and turns the key and pushes the door open. And, you know, it's a it's a rental mm-hmm. and they haven't, you know, nobody's renting it right now. So they don't have the power on. So she walks in and there is just crap everywhere. It looks like the previous tenants just like jumped up and left. Oh, wow. And like there's just I mean, their stuff is still there. There's paint cans on the floor. There's just shit all over the place. It's covered in dust. So it hasn't been rented recently. So she's like, I'm not going to put the baby down here. So she's carrying the baby around everywhere and she pulls off these, um, or she pulls the um, the curtains, which are like these really thick, heavy red curtains, and lets the light in. She's looking around and she's like, man, this place is really big. It's got picture windows. It's got floor to ceiling glass doors. Sounds amazing. I know. And the backyard is really big. It's got right? like a nice big oak tree in it. It's, you know, it's got grass. It's not fenced, but, you know, they have a dog that mm-hmm. she loves. And so she's like, oh, this is you know she's picturing like maybe we could do something with this space but it's really intimidating inside because there's no power it's dusty it's covered in crap right mm-hmm. so she's trying to be fair you know they've got there, there's an intercom system which this made oh, me think of you right? because you know in in the house where we're like recording right now there's an intercom system it's an older house it's a big wall intercom that has speakers that would go into different rooms and stuff and it has one of those and she, you know she doesn't know if it works or not but she's like that, that'd be kind of cool <clears throat> So the downstairs, she's trying to feel optimistic. And then she starts walking upstairs because that's where all the bedrooms are. And she's starting to feel like weird walking Uh, upstairs. uh, She's got the baby, you know, walking upstairs in any house. I mean, like you're going to be kind of closed in, at least on one side, walking upstairs. Like you never know what's going to be at the end of the staircase. So it feels weird anyhow with no power in a house you've never been that's abandoned. Right. So she's like, this just feels weird because of that. And she walks up, though, and... um. It's darker upstairs. There's like only one window that's like letting in light. So when she gets up there, she looks around and she's like, what the hell is wrong with the paint job in here? 
And she goes in and she realizes the entire upstairs floor, except for the bathrooms and one bedroom, is covered light blue paint. And it looks like it's been painted like either fearfully or violently, she says. It's like crosshatch strokes, messy. They covered all the wall plates. They covered all the trim. They covered all the ceilings. And like, it's just it's gross and like the uh, the there's an attic access that she sees in the hallway it's been duct taped shut and painted mm. covered completely with this like crosshatch messy paint job with light blue paint oh god and she's like this is a mess she's like i can't you know she's thinking you know realistically she's thinking just like i would think if i walked right. into a house like that she's like i have a toddler i don't know anyone here you know, my family would have to travel at least a little bit to get here to help me. And my husband works all the time. And she's this like, is a lot of work. Yeah, she's like, I'm walking in thinking like, this house is too much. She's like, I can't. With Especially all with this paint job, she's like, I cannot do too. this shit. Yeah. yeah, the yard that size. And she's just thinking like, they're not, no landlord lets you just repaint when you, you right. know, walk in or they're not, you know, you're going to have to pay for it. And she's like, this is, I'm getting chills. I can't do this. I know, chills. right? And so she, she goes back down the stairs, she drives home and Hunter asked her how she likes the house. And she's like, I, I just can't. She's, you know, I mean, it is a little creepy and the amount of work that I'd have to go into it. And she's like, just be honest, like I'm going to have to do all this. Mm-hmm. And she's, he really? looks so upset because she says like, you know, He's trying to, you know, he was really excited that he found this place because he's trying to do something for everybody. You know, he's got this job and he wants to support everybody. He wants to find and the perfect house. it's big enough to hold everybody. It's finally big enough and they can right. afford it. And she's like, if I tell him no, it's, you know, he really tried hard. Right. You know, had he seen it? He had seen the house apparently. And um, she's just like, okay, you know what? If you ask the landlord if we can paint it upstairs, then Okay. We'll, we'll do it. If so they, they weren't looking to buy it. They were just going to rent it. They were just going to rent okay. it. Got it. And so, you know, he asked the landlord and they said yes. So, you know, before too long, you know, they're getting their stuff together. They're moving things in. But, you know, she, she wanted to make sure she got the painting done before they got boxes in and everything. So she asked her mom one day to come with her and go with the baby to the house. The mom was going to watch the baby and she was going to go upstairs and paint all this stuff. And um, when they walked in this time, the landlord has had it cleaned, which, yay, good landlords. Like, right? they've gone in and had somebody come take all this mess out. They're probably desperate. Yeah, yeah, seriously, and clean all this stuff. So, you know, she's like, I could maybe do this. You know, she's got help downstairs. It's a sunny day. You know, they've got the power turned on now. She can go in upstairs. She's working her ass off getting this paint done. And she's like this is not so bad, you know, like I can do this. This is starting to feel welcoming. Like she paints it a nice kind of brown color upstairs, like a neutral color. The blue lady. Mm hmm. And then, um, you know, she's been working all morning. She goes outside after a while, says, you know, leaves mom and the baby to play. And she's walking outside to get some air, have some, you know, she brought her sandwich out and looking at the trees and picturing like them having picnics and stuff in the backyard. And, um, she turns around and she sees somebody walking out of the the upstairs window, like out of the frame of the upstairs window. Tell and what? Walking? Like out not of the walking window? out of the frame, but she sees them in the window walking out of the window. Okay. Like okay. not walking out into the air. Right. Okay. But like she sees somebody inside upstairs. looking out and then they, they leave the window. Okay. okay. And um Chills. So uh <laughs> she, you know She's like, she What finishes, the fuck? Yeah. And so she goes back in stairs and she's like, What did you did you find what you needed up? up in the upstairs bedrooms and her mom's like oh honey i haven't even been up there yet i haven't had a chance to go up there and um jenny's like get the baby now and go outside get in the car 
there's somebody in the house. Right. And um, as she goes out with them, she's got her phone out. She's about to call 911 and Hunter's car pulls into the driveway and she's like, oh, thank God. And, um, you know, he pulls up, gets out of the car and she tells him what happened. And he has a box cutter with, you know, he's getting ready to help move. And I guess his job, he had to have him. And um, so he's got a box cutter in his pocket. So he pulls it out and he goes upstairs and they're waiting, they're waiting. And um, he comes back down. He's like, I, there's nobody there's nobody there. He's like, you know, it could, it's a new place. You know, there could be reflections that you, you know, you're not used to or whatever. And you're tired, you know, mm-hmm. it's so, um, she kind of writes it off and mm-hmm. thinks that must be it. So after they finish painting upstairs, you know, their friends help them move their boxes and they get everything moved in. And one of the first things they want to do is get Hunter's daughter Faith's room ready because she's going to come for the weekend. And she's never since she's been staying with them since they've gotten married, she has never had her own space. Mm-hmm. So Hunter especially is like super excited about this. Like he's going to finally give his daughter this awesome space and they have gone out of their way to make it just perfect for her you know have Mm -hmm. her stuff and her colors and everything that she might like and um you know when they're trying to get it ready before she gets there like they you probably experienced this i don't know if you have but i know i have some and i know my neighbors get it horribly ladybugs in in certain times of year swarm inside in the south yes and so this is when it when it wasn't ladybugs it was those lady beetles it was the orange ones not the red ones and, um, you know, it seems like you're never going to get rid of them. They had swarmed in this room. And so, you know, she was a little freaked out by this. You know, it's a Southern phenomenon. It happens. Right. So they vacuum everything up. They try and, you know, and when you step on them, they kind of stink, you know, and yeah. they make a mess. So you don't want to do that. So they vacuum them all up and they seal all the windows extra tight. And they don't say anything about it to Faith. You know, they're just like, I don't want to freak her out. So they, they fix up the room and Faith comes for the weekend and she's really, really excited. Mm-hmm. And that night she goes to bed and they're all sitting downstairs and she comes down and she says she can't sleep. And they're, you know, eh, it's normal, it's new normal, house, new, new house, kind of, you yeah. know, it's big and old and maybe it makes noises. So they take her back upstairs, they give her water, they go to bed, come back down and she slept on the couch all night downstairs. And they're like, what happened? Like, what goes on? She's just like, I just couldn't sleep up there. Mm-hmm. The second night. She goes up there again. She comes down after a while and she says, Are there, I, the bugs, she's like, I just can't. Like, I'm itching everywhere. There are bugs all over. And they go up and there are no bugs in there. They haven't told her anything about the lady beetles. They haven't said anything about the infestation. Nobody has. And she's just convinced she itches. And she's like, I itch all the, and I look down and they're not there. I don't know. But she's like, I just can't. And then she said she heard people walking around at night. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she would go outside and she wouldn't, see anybody mm-hmm. and um brave girl she was a brave girl and so yeah. she would go downstairs and even she went downstairs one night and walked into the kitchen to get a glass of water and all the kitchen cabinets were open <gasps> and nobody was down fuck there no fuck no they didn't find this out until months and months later Mm-mm. how old is um, she i feel like she was like 10 or 11 god bless her so um you know they end up to make her more comfortable in the house they end up making her room i think it was into a playroom and turning um, Buddy's room into like a joint room because they used to share a space and so they they love each other. And right. They're like, okay, you can sleep in the same room and that way you'll know the other one is there and it'll be okay. Right. <clears throat> but she never did like sleeping in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's happening. Um, the dog, Betty Lou, who, you know, she's hoping, you know, we've got a big backyard, it doesn't have a fence. So she's trying to kind of train the dog to go outside without a fence, you know, without having to be watched all the time. The dog loves Jenny. 
you know, and she's a blogger. So I'm assuming it's like my life. It's like the dog just lays at your feet all the time. She goes wherever you go. When they first move in, you know, Jenny's going upstairs to bed after she puts Grace into bed and the dog will not go up the stairs. Mm. And she carries her up the stairs and the dog whines and runs right back down the stairs. Like no, no interest in being there. Um, Oh my gosh, there's a page missing here. I knew there were three pages. Um, I'm hoping I remember the rest of this. So um, one day, you know, that she lets the dog out the back. She goes and does some kitchen stuff. She goes back and calls the dog and the dog doesn't come. And, um, you know, she spends all day, like periodically going outside thinking it's just, you know, out running around. And the dog has not come back by the time Hunter gets back from work. And it's dark already. So he takes a flashlight and he goes out. And she's just kind of beside herself because this is her dog. Right. He comes back and he's been crying. And the, he says the dog has died in the woods. You know, they get a quilt. He takes the quilt. He gathers up the dog. He buries the dog that night. And oh. I don't think he tells her this at the time. He tells her months later after more shit goes down that um, the dog uh, was not hit by a car. Like they told the children, the dog was attacked in the woods. Oh my God. The dog was opened up and its heart was taken out. And, um, so they've, at this point they've lost their dog. Yes. Um, I don't know, Hunter, man, I would have fucking got the family loaded up the station wagon and got the fuck out of there. Well, and here's one of the weird things. And this is like part of the reason that this story is so interesting to me is, you know, he's not there. He's not hearing or seeing a lot of the stuff. You know, he didn't see the dog's hesitation to go upstairs. You know, he's he's around for faith. But I mean, in his mind, it's just a one time thing. Right. Meanwhile, at the same time, she's hearing footsteps upstairs when Grayson is taking naps. Mm. You know, she's downstairs working. Grayson's napping. She's a toddler. She doesn't make a lot of noise. She's hearing floorboards creaking like somebody is pacing in the upstairs rooms. Mm-hmm. And she's like. At one, there was one point where she was saying she's sitting in her living room and she's knitting, you know, taking a break and she takes her knit. She's like thinking, I have to get out of the house or get the baby. And she's like, I can't, you know, if there's somebody up there, then what am I supposed to do? So she takes her knitting needle. She's like, that's the only weapon I have. But is the baby fucking upstairs? The baby's upstairs sleeping. Oh, And no. so she goes upstairs. What? Okay. She's go got these knitting needles and she's like, if there's somebody up here, you know, this is this is what I got. I guess I'll stab him in the neck. And she gets to the top of the stairs and she hears it coming from um, the one room that had not been painted blue when she first got there, which I think was Faith and Buddy's room, which I think turned maybe turned into the playroom. Mm-hmm. So she's standing outside the closed door and she next to the door can hear it inside the room. Footsteps. Footsteps. Is this... Is this- the room that her baby's in? No. Okay. Her good. baby's across the hall. The first thing she but did you was are check a horrible on the baby's mother. room. No, no. Okay. The first thing she did when she got upstairs was check in the baby's room. Okay. And the baby's sleeping. And so she went across the hall and find you know, this door is closed. And when she opens it though, of course there's nothing there. Right. You know, Hunter's not there for that. He didn't hear that. Right. He she um she starts when she goes to bed at night, when she's upstairs in her master bedroom, she starts hearing scurrying noises outside on the balcony. And the footsteps thing, by the way, happens multiple times. And when she goes in the room to check about, like, you know, what what she had heard inside, the lady beetle infestation is there. Mm. She walks in. She looks at all. She looks. She's looking out the window to make sure they're locked. She's looking in the closets. And then she looks down and there's hundreds of lady beetles on the floor. Shit. 
And from and that, happened multiple that happened multiple times that only, only when she had heard footsteps in that room, did they come back. And, um, so she would go to bed at night at like 9 PM and she would hear the scurrying noise outside her bedroom window. And there's a balcony out there, I think. And, um, but they have like floodlights, like the, um, motion activated floodlights. And she, it sounded like, um, if you have a cat, like it sounded like when you're asleep and you hear the cat, like it got up on the counter, it wasn't supposed to, and it jumps down and and thuds on the floor. Mm -hmm. It was like scurry, 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 thud. And she's like, it sounded bigger than a cat, but not like as big as like a dog or something like that. Right. And so she's like, I guess maybe owls could like bang on the window. You know, she's very realistic about it at first. And she goes and she kind of looks outside, but you know, she doesn't, she definitely not going to open the window you know she's not going to go out there and check right but whatever it is never ever the motion lights never go off okay and it's a largest thing and they apparently didn't have trees right around the house so it's not like something was just gonna like jump down right and then she started hearing them upstairs in the attic Fuck. and that every single night when she goes to bed she starts hearing these things and turns out faith all the time was hearing them too mm-hmm. um so that motherfucking mess is happening she's right. hearing all this weird stuff um grayson the toddler will be playing downstairs now in the middle of all this not in the middle of all this but like mm-hmm. all this other stuff is happening and right. she's just trying to live a normal life you know she's like thinking i'm in a lonely place i've left all my friends you know i don't see adults we probably right. all know how this feels right? right it's like you have a baby you don't Your have any all in my head and they have one car not two so when he goes to work she's oh, stuck no. at home I've she's been, at home no. yeah they didn't have a lot of people coming over to visit you know the parents the in-laws didn't really come over to visit very much and um so you know it's just she's she feels like maybe she's going stir crazy she's right. like i'm nuts she's like this is i'm gonna need a vacation i'm nuts and then, um, so, you know, she's watching Grayson, the baby downstairs playing while she's working. She'll look up and the baby will like stand while she's playing with blocks or whatever. And she'll roll her eyes to the corners and she'll just start spinning in place in the room. Oh, no, back up. What? What the fuck? This like two, I don't know if she was two or three, uh-huh. but she'll just, she'll sit there and she'll kind of roll her eyes back and look like with her head up and just start slowly spinning. And she's like, this wasn't like the kids spin to make themselves dizzy she wasn't smiling she wasn't laughing she wasn't joyous Fuck she was that very shit. i would be slowly checking spinning. in to the local la quinta la quinta exactly. and that fuck she that said shit. that over the course of the next few months if they had not stopped her when she did it she would have done it all day long fuck like, that because shit. the baby would stand up and do it and then she'd she'd say grayson are you okay and she wouldn't respond and she would have to like clap and say, Grayson, like stop. And then she would just kind of slowly like look at her and sit down as though it hadn't happened. It wasn't like, oh, jolt. Right. I'm going to sit down now. It was like she just stops and sits down and goes back to doing what she was doing. And um, oh, my God, I'm just shivering. I know. Here, y'all. And um, <laughs> again, 2012, like this, no! <laughs> this is like a recent happening. Like, have um, you not watched any kind of horror films <laughs> Ever? Well, and here's the thing. And this is why this is believable to me, too. She looks at this just like all the other. There is a there is a reasonable explanation for every single thing that's happening in the house. And what the fuck maybe is that? There's, maybe there's squirrels that are jumping on the windows or maybe there's a rat infestation somewhere. Maybe, um, you know, maybe there are coyotes 
that, you know, got the dog. The dog didn't know how to live outside. You know, maybe coyotes got the dog. Um, My car. You know, it's an old house. It settles. Maybe the creaking is the floorboard settling. And the and baby spinning with their eyes rolled Her older and- son is autistic. So her immediate thought when this happens She's is... She's having a seizure Is something? this a sign of... Is this an early onset sign of autism? And so she's not even in the frame of like ghostly, weird, paranormal shit. She's like, in the, the oh, my not? God, do I have to yeah. get her analyzed? Because yeah. the, the immediate thought is like, do I need to start doing early interventions? Right. You know, and so she's she's really like legitimately she's got mom concern here. And she's like, OK, this this has to be this is the explanation like you do when stuff with it's weird and doesn't make sense happen. Right. Like you're like, this yeah. is the medical explanation for this. Right. Got it. So, um, but still, you know, and that's, that's part of the reason why I dig her story is because she's like in this book that she's written, she's written about it herself. Mm -hmm. And she's saying like, I had explanations for everything. She's like, I was nuts. My kid might have autism. This was a new house. I was lonely. She's like, everything could have made sense. Things started breaking in the house. Like curling irons wouldn't work. Vacuums wouldn't work. Um, and then like, the dryer went out and then right after the water main broke and then right after the hot water heater went out. And then one day she got home with the kids from a trip, all of the kids, and she opened the door and there was heavy metal music blaring through this intercom system that went through the house, like top volume Fuck blaring. Fuck you, And she Leia. was like, I know. <laughs> I Enjoy your intercom system. in this house tonight. I know. Being fucking scared out of my ass <laughs> thinking about this shit and I'm calling you. If it makes you feel better, hers worked. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that would be worse because if mine starts working, I'd be like... Yeah, maybe you should cut the wires in yours too. I was because you know she would normally they knew that it worked because she would play classical music because they only got three stations on it. They got NPR and they got a country station and one other talk radio station. They didn't get a station that played heavy metal, and um, so you know she would she would turn up classical music. She knew it worked in the house, but she walked in and this is like a like gritty growling voice just screaming and so she walked and she starts she runs in because the kids are like you know and her nine-year-old son is like got his hands over his ears like oh my god i cannot take this like too much stimulus she runs inside turns all the knobs changes nothing turns the volume knob changes nothing pushes all the buttons station doesn't change like digs her fingers in behind the unit and fucking pulls it out of the wall to get it to turn off did it turn off then and then it turned off okay and so, I mean, so that's happened. Fuck. And uh, that's not even the end of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to pee now. I'm going to whip myself over here. Do you need to take a break? Do you no, need to? Good. I, I need safe to word, know. Safe word, Patrice. What's your safe word? That's right. Fajitas. <laughs> um, fajitas is Patrice's safe word. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> so um, the, this is when we get to the last straw that she has. That wasn't the that last was straw. not the last straw. Oh my God. And again, you know, faulty wiring, I guess. I mean, she was like, that was one that she just really couldn't, you know, she had Explain a really hard away. time explaining. And right after that, Hunter had a break from work where he was able to be home to help with the house for a week. And he started hearing the noises at night. You know, he started getting freaked out about like the scratching outside the window and in the attic. And he heard the footsteps. And, um, so he started, and he he started hearing her voice calling him in the house when she wasn't there. Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> so, I mean, he starts hearing this stuff, and now he's like, okay, 
Like she finally has somebody else. Like, right. again, this is like, this is a stay at home mom's nightmare right. because it's like, you, everybody's going to think you're crazy. Crazy. Right. You know, I mean, and you probably, you know, in most of our minds, I think like this day and age, hell, we think we're crazy too. Like we automatically write ourselves off as saying like this, this is oh, my absolutely. imagination. Like yeah. I'm, I'm fucked up. But, you know, finally, she's got somebody else who's going to say, like, yeah, I heard this, too. Right. This is weird. This is not normal. Right. And um, so shortly after, while he's at home, you know, she's she's in bed. She's gone to sleep. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she sees like a shadow. Oh, by the way, he also started seeing shadow people like <sighs> out of the corners of his eyes. Uh and you know sometimes again everything has an explanation right right like people say that happens when you're super extremely tired like your brain starts to see shadows yeah i I see shadows shadow people happen yeah but um so she's asleep she wakes up and she sees like a like a it's almost like a smoke like you know a indeterminate shape kind of coming towards her out of the corner of the room fuck and um she starts to try and sit up to see it better and realizes she can't move Oh, God. She's, she's in she's, sleep paralysis. She's in sleep paralysis. Like, she cannot move a muscle. And she wow. sees this thing starts to come closer and sits at the end of the bed. And then it starts to take form. And what she sees is a creature with no skin. Like, she sees very clearly, because she describes this very clearly right. in, in her book, is a all muscle is a rotting flesh creature and she can smell it. That's the thing oh, that gets me. Fuck. She smells rotting flesh and it climbs up the end of the bed and sits on her chest and makes her breathe in its smell while it breathes in her breath. And she cannot move. Oh. And she's just like trying, you know, she can't scream. She can't turn her head. So she's got this like putrid thing sitting there. And then like, it finally just like kind of half grins at her and jumps off and it scurries just like that noise she always hears Fuck thump scurry that. out into the hallway and looks back at her and she knows the second it looks back at her that it's going for the baby's room. <gasps> and as she can't as move. As soon as it's out of sight, she is able to jump up off the bed and Ugh. she smacks Hunter and they both wake up because the baby at this point is screaming bloody murder from her crib. Oh my God. And they run down to the room and there's nothing there. You know, they pick up the baby. The baby has had like a night terror and she has no idea at this point whether it, you know, whether it actually did to her what it did to to Jenny. Right. But she's like, that's it. She starts packing stuff up and moving it downstairs. Nothing is going to be upstairs anymore. Sleeping in the car. Everything goes downstairs. She starts packing things up. Hunter calls somebody to come bless the house with holy water and they do it. And after they do it, more things start breaking in the house. That's when the water heater and the water main and everything go out. And then when she's moving Grayson's stuff downstairs, there's a like a painting of with a cross, like a little, you know, crochet looking cross from her bedroom wall that she set down against the wall. She goes upstairs to grab another box, comes back down, the painting's upside down. Fuck that shit. Now, I have had uh, night terrors before where I saw something. Mm-hmm. Um, you told so, me about so it years I, ago. I know that that can happen. And that's one of the things like of seeing a dark figure. Mm-hmm. But I've never fucking smelled anything. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen like facial features or anything. Yeah. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. So, I mean, all this stuff happens. House tonight. <laughs> they stayed in this house for a total of six months before they moved out. She's like, I'm, I'm, and I'm impressed with her. I was yeah. like, if she ever hears this, props to you, lady. Because, man, like, oh my God. I, that probably would have gotten my ass out of there in like a day and a half. Yeah. But um, 
she, but you know, and again, the reason why I believe her story is because all through her telling of the story, she's like, I thought it was, I thought this was normal. Like I thought in sleep paralysis too. She's like, I looked it up. I studied it. Right. You know, I know this happens to people, but over the course of six months, the preponderance of evidence and shit that happens to you in this house is not normal. Right. And so they move out. And when they move out, Grayson immediately stops spinning. And also her um, facility of language just explodes. <gasps> so it's like she's been on hold the entire time they've been living in this house. And the second they move out, she's like splurting out full sentences. And um, there was one thing I forgot to say. I don't even know if I should add this. Oh, fuck. When they... Um, <laughs> Grace, uh, so uh, Buddy, her son, um, you know, he's very particular about specifics, you know. And so some of the stuff that went on with him, you know, his discomfort in the house was actually oddly, except for this one thing, less than everybody else's. Right. But um, this one thing got him like right away. His first weekend there, they were giving him a bath and um, he walked into his mom's bathroom because she even she had thought ahead. The bathtub that he was used to using had like a left handed faucet. And most of them have right-handed, or it's the other way around, one way or another. But one of the tubs in their house that was in the guest room had the wrong side side faucet. And she was like, if I try and take him in here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make him nervous. It's going to make him uncomfortable, and he may not take a bath. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take him into my room because it has the right, it's on the right side. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, she's, oh, she's yeah. aware, you know, she's thinking through this stuff. She takes him in, and um, he sees the, the mirror that she has put up in the little dressing closet that goes to her bathroom. And when he sees it, he turns it, looks at it, stops, and his whole face, like, contorts, and he starts to scream. And before long, he is banging his head on the floor. And um, they take him out. They, you know, take him into his room. They It takes a while to calm him down, but they calm him down, and they're like, what happened? You know, they're thinking some he's seen something weird, you know, like something reflected or shot. And he just said, no mirror. And they... It sounds like they were good parents in the way that they believed him right away and they did not test this theory. They put a cover on the mirror immediately and he went and took a bath and he was fine. But from that point out, every time he visited the house, it got to the point where they had to cover every single reflective surface in the house while he was there. They had to cover at night all the windows. The shades all had to be drawn because of the reflections in them because he could not be around reflective surfaces in their house. And she asked her husband or her ex-husband, you know, is this a new thing that you just didn't tell me about? Like, I didn't know he had a mirror problem. He never he never did before. And he's like, no, he doesn't have that problem at my house. And so she asked Buddy, he doesn't usually talk about it. Like, he would never have this conversation with her. And at one point he did say, like, she asked him about it. And he says, mirrors are okay at daddy's house, but not here. And like, he still had like kind of an aversion to mirrors after they moved anytime he was in their home. Yeah. But it wasn't like he had that day. Right. So, uh, you know, this this shit all happens. They move out. She actually has a friend who is a paranormal, like, investigator. Mm-hmm. And this isn't... Uh, uh, I struggle. It's not really my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of paranormal investigation, the more I've looked into it, the more I'm like, there's so much suggestion involved. Right. So there's a whole second book that this person has written about this experience of hers, Mm -hmm. um, about that house when they went in and did investigations and research. And one of the things they found, of course, you know, together, she and Jenny discovered that Haint Blue stops ghouls from being in your house Uh and that they believe that either there was something in the attic 
or there was something inhabiting, trying to inhabit the entire upper floor of that house that somebody had realized and painted the entire upper floor of the house. There's also a history in that area of a voodoo preacher Mm. who, um, and and the weird thing is it's kind of a dubious background. And this is, I don't know that it's directly related to this, but it's interesting that you started talking about it this morning. Right. Because it was, you know, a preacher who practiced voodoo in the area, apparently, who, um, had had a lot of mysterious deaths happen in his family. Mm. Like his wife died in a car accident that didn't appear to actually be a car accident that like in further investigation, it looks like she was strangled and beaten to death. And he had an insurance policy on her. Oh, I'm sure he did. So, you know, he makes something off of that, you know, then he had a nephew die. He had another family member die. He married the main witness who was supposed to testify against him in his wife's murder trial who um, then changed her mind, did not testify against him. Interesting, you mentioned mm-hmm. that that can happen sometimes when people That's are hexed. Right. And, um, and then she happened. married him. It all happened in Rockford and Nixburg. And they found out that where the house is in Rockford um, was Nixburg prior to Nixburg being incorporated into Rockford. So they think the house may have actually had a lot of connections to this family. Wow. And and the reason why it made news, um, he made $130,000 off of life insurance from various members of his family over the course of like right. four years. And um, finally, his stepdaughter was found dead um, after having taken his car. But she was found dead with his car parked on her neck. Oh, shit. Like, and they'd said that like she had been there to change a flat tire and the car had gotten knocked off the block and and rolled on her but which usually don't like unlikely. stick your head underneath the seriously t- tire like, there's no need for you tire. to do that right and so that was really dubious and um you know there was a, a family friend who had just come back from vietnam who like came to the funeral and couldn't you know by this time everybody's saying like willie maxwell is killing these people right and everybody yeah, loves this little it. that was his name yeah. yeah and um the this little girl you know she was she was a teenager who had just been the most recent person to be killed and a preacher like sees it fit to walk into her funeral and sit right behind this family friend who just come back from war. And that dude is so pissed off at this entire instance by then that in the middle of the funeral, he turns around and shoots three bullets straight into the preacher's head. Holy In the middle of the funeral. And the preacher, by all accounts, this happened in the seventies in like 19, I think it was 1972. And um, the preacher, by all accounts, like took a handkerchief out of his pocket and dabbed the blood off his head and then slumped over dead. Wow. And all the family is buried in Peaceburg Baptist Church Cemetery, which is right there in the corner of 22 and 9 outside of Roxford, Rockford. And we think that this house is somewhere in that little area. And this is this was my fucking madness yesterday was Jenny has gone to great length to not give out the the address of this house because she does not want to like inconvenience the people who live there now or the current event or the current, you know, owners. But I was obsessed with finding out where this house was. I was sitting there on Google Maps, like doing satellite view, trying to like look at every single place where she discusses any defining feature of this house. Right. And like trying to identify it by the area that it was in because I'm weird that way. And no, I don't I but totally like it would have made the same a difference. Thing. Yeah, like I'm not going to out them on this show anyway. Right. No. But um, I was sort of but fascinated we will by look. all this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
So anyway, but that was 2012. And again, the reason I believe this girl is too, because she had like a a prolific, apparently blogging career. And she did address this in 2012. She put blogs up about what was going on in the house. And she was trying to be comical about it because she's like, yeah, what else the fuck can you do? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to say there's ghosts in my house, but she, she did post blogs. And you know what, when I started searching this, she had taken everything down. She was like, I am leaving that shit behind. Yeah. And her friend talked her into writing this book with her. You mm-hmm. know, so half of it, the first part of it is Jenny's story, basically. And the second part is a paranormal investigator's did story. Did you read the whole book? I did. The first part was way better <laughs> than the second. The, the first part was way better than the second. I didn't I didn't really care for the second part. That's why I'm not talking too much about, like, the paranormal, like, EVP right. readings and all that shit. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, man, I I believe her because I'm like she, she. I don't think she's out there to sensationalize this shit, right? Especially I think, like, she, she was like, I don't down. want this anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. She just like yeah, clean slate, cleanse the palate. Yeah. And when the book came out, she did say a lot of people have asked me to repost like my first post about this from 2012. So she did put that back on her blog, mm-hmm. but everything else is still in the archives. Like she wanted nothing to do with it. And, and like she and now you know here's we the can thing find too. it, don't you? <laughs> what? You know we can find it, don't I'm, you? I'm sure we can. Like, because there there is a website out there that you can find stuff that's been out on the internet that's been taken down. Oh, we may do that. Okay. Just letting you know. And they, they were actually featured on um, the Sci-Fi Channel's show Paranormal Witness mm. had, had an episode that was them, which I watched part of the episode and it is freaking way sensationalized. Like in their story, yeah. it's like roaches and not lady beetles. And there's some green eyed monster that keeps on popping up every fucking year. <sighs> but it's. Have any footage of the house? No, I don't believe it does. It's got footage of a house, but I'm pretty sure it's not the house. Like so, she seemed very adamant that she was not going to share the location of this house. So are there people actually living in that house now? I don't know. It. I mean, she said current tenants. And I don't know if she's saying that in terms of like just assuming that somebody is there mm-hmm. or if she's saying it like just as, you know, she knows. Oh, but um, I mean, realize- I can't as somebody somebody who's done this. I can't imagine she wouldn't have said like, please don't please reconsider right like i'm sure if she knew who was living there she would have reached out and said like i don't know that this is a great idea for you right <laughs> so oh, fuck. so well, that's thanks. my story thanks which, for that because i'll be like without chad tonight and oh my god that's right oh she is Max. she's gonna be at my doorstep at like 2 a.m <laughs> please my, my intercom started working <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> you know i should look up i found a band called haint blue ah so i'll, I'll look them up and see if we can you know have any yeah. music from them on here absolutely but, uh, i'm gonna yeah. go fucking do a bottle tree right the fuck now i know i'm, I'm gonna drink paint, like I'm gonna 20 bottles of riesling <laughs> <laughs> the only and blue after bottle I wake know. up from being passed out, I'm gonna make that damn tree. <laughs> oh my god! So that's our week, I guess. Fuck yes. <laughs> oh, and the book, by the way, is called Haint Blue. The book oh. that she wrote is called Haint Blue: The Rockford Haunting. Wow. So and so, I was like, oh my god, it's like serendipity. Yeah, that was really weird. And I'll provide links to both of those things: the show and the Absolutely. book. Absolutely. In the show notes. Yes. Oh fuck. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> so good, good one, absolutely. Follow our website for show notes. <laughs> absolutely, and that's thestrangesouth.com. And please listen to us on iTunes. And if you subscribe to us on iTunes at 
the Strange South podcast, please give us a five star thumbs up. Say nice things. Say nice things. If you say nice things, we'll shout you out somehow on our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, we something. do. We usually, I've been taking screen grabs of, of people who say nice things about us and putting it on our social media and everything. You can also find us on Instagram at the Strange South podcast as well. Yes, and I put a picture the other day of the um, the painting, the nightmare, with yes, a woman laying on a bed with totally, a demon perched on her chest. That's the that's sleep paralysis. Why. Yes. Now the secret is out. Now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>